It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. What are your thoughts being here right now? Yeah, I mean, this is, um, it's interesting. I mean, this is all here. Um, those batting cages were there. Um, they built some more stuff over that way, but uh, it looks, I mean, it looks basically the same. I mean, we used to have all dirt or all uh, grass, and then there were just the baselines were that, so they've changed that a little bit, probably easier for upkeep. But, yeah, no, I mean, it looks good. It looks good. How many days a week were you down here? playing baseball well for our 12 year old all-star year when we went to the world series so you play the race so they're playing regular season now they choose an all-star team out of the regular season probably at the end in may and then you start playing june july august if you go to the world series we we were seven days a week um <laughs> now the parents were there six days a week technically we had sunday off but we would just come on our own right. and do it on sundays and so we did it i mean that was the whole summer was every you, day was your were your parents those parents in the bringing you every time? oh yeah yeah, did yeah. they oh, want yeah, to yeah. go to all your games oh, they went to every game um you know most of the parents just dropped us off for practice didn't necessarily stay for the whole practices but every game travel and the thing is is like you know we went um you know your initial district is like in the general area here then you do a sectional uh, which I think wasn't too far, but then we had to travel for state. Uh, and then the Southern Regional was in Gulfport, which is in this county at the time. Uh, but we were in dorms because they have all the teams. Wow. So 13, at that time, it was the U.S. South, 13 states, Texas all the way to Virginia and everything southeast. So you're in the dorms there. So parents came. But then the Williamsport, everyone went to Williamsport. It was a big deal. And, you know, like at the time as a kid, you just kind of assume like, well, of course, they got to drop everything for us. But, you know, now that I have a kids and I'm an adult, you can't necessarily. I mean, it was, you a, have ma- more appreciation it, well, it was for a major sacrifice that the oh, parents yeah. made. I mean, for sure. No question about it. And, so, and like, by the way. It's more and more costly these days, too. Oh, well, that's the thing. This was kind of Little League as it was used to be. This was not technically considered a travel team or anything, but that started to come as I got older, right. and that's like a whole cottage industry with what they're doing with all that now. So, um, But, yeah, and then so, you know, those that's like a soft, big softball field where they'll play. And so as once we went from 12 to 13, we just play out on that field because right. it's, it's bigger fences, so you can hit the ball a little bit. See, this is like, you know, 200 feet for 12-year-old, a lot of our guys, I mean, we, we could blow it past there. We hit a lot of home runs that year. But once you become 13, I mean, you've got to get on the bigger fields. And so, yeah, we do that. So the, all three of those are softball fields. Um, and then they got the t- city tennis court. So this is all city of Dunedin stuff here. So some of your best friends made here, your relationships? Yeah, I mean, I would say, like, growing up, I mean, the, the kids that I was friends with, all of them played sports with me, most baseball, um, most all baseball um yeah and we would come i mean thing is though we would play tennis uh we'd have a bunch of kids playing tennis at, at certain times of the year uh they have basketball courts down there we would do that we, we pretty much did it all wow so this seems like a a, a great place to grow up you Just know looking around I so mean, the interesting thing is and i know i know you, you saw my book um we have the spring training home for the toronto blue jays in dunedin and so if you guys go down the other side of town you can see the stadium uh, the, the city owns that stadium. So when I was a kid oh, in wow. high school, that was our home field, not just for games, but for practices. So we literally would wait for the spring training game to finish. The, the, the big leaguers and the visitors would clear out. We'd go in and we'd practice from like four to six or something like that. You, and then I played in college for four years all around the country. I never played on a field better than my home field in high school. <laughs> but we had access to all those facilities. So if you like baseball, 
this is a great place to be because the community supported it. You had access to facilities above and beyond. It didn't like this is like super wealthy area, but it was just the city wanted to support. And, um, and, and you had just had everything at your disposal. And then, of course, the weather. You know, I, go to, I went to college in New England, and it was like, it was so cold here. You <laughs> yeah. play year-round. I that mean, was no tough problem. for you, right? Yes, yes, yes. All right, so we were able to get into the Little League offices, and we were able to see these nice. pictures. Yeah. So, so Crystal, let's let's see over here. So, so this. So these are the uh, the individual um, folks, and then this is the they did the the house, and we got a lot of we got a lot of play for um, for that around the community. And then what's that? That's the that's Williamsport, right? Yeah. And those we don't see Ron, we see D. Yeah. That was your name. That was what they called me, and so that's how I signed. So yeah. So this game, I don't know if that's actually. If that's our team, no, I don't know that. I don't know if that is. We had yellow uniforms, um, man. But it's '91. Look at the style, how different it was. <laughs> I did not seem odd at the time, but yeah. So that whole stadium get filled, and then where this is, there's rolling hills, so you could fit forty thousand people <laughs> in the whole thing, and um, nicest ball field you'll ever see. Was that the first time you signed your autograph? No, you know, actually, when you got to the Williamsport, uh, all the fans would ask you to sign. And so, so we started signing. It was was neat. So I, so we we played California first game. We lost. That was single elimination at the time. They've changed it since then because we were a really good team, but we lost before. So then the second game we played Europe, and I pitched Europe. Uh, yeah, Europe. It was. Um, I think it was from Saudi Arabia. So it was basically American kids at the military bases. So I pitched, and then uh, I think, like, and I didn't even realize this. I got announced for a game to throw out the first pitch like a year ago. They looked up the stats. They said I got four hits, one home run, and struck out 12 people. I don't remember all that. I do remember hitting a home run there on that field. That was pretty neat. How could you forget that? <laughs> no, I remember the home run. I don't remember, like, how many innings I pitched or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, it was – I think a lot yeah. of it was just, you know, we were – we had been eliminated in a, in a single elimination. So it was, like, it was kind of bittersweet. I mean, it was great to hit a home run. It was great to do some of that stuff. But we really believed we were the best American team. Uh, what they did the next year, they changed it to round robin. So if it was round robin when we were there, we would have ended up going wow. uh, to the final. So it is what it is. But what we did – for the summer when we went to the Little League World Series, we put on the underneath our hat, WWT was our model. We want Taiwan because Taiwan was the Little League powerhouse at the time. And that was everyone. They still kind of are. Well, right? the thing was at the time, it's like, you know, they're like machines. And you're like, how do you do? <laughs> Turns out, like, yeah, when you play 13 and 14-year-olds <laughs> in a 12-year-old league, you can right, do a and machine. you're shaving in so between it was a little bit there. Yeah, so we, um, but, but, but that was the goal. And we, came, we got to the World Series, came very close. But we played a, a right. team from California. I mean, this dude was just throwing absolute cheddar, 82 miles an hour from, from this distance. So you figure like a big league 82, not a big deal from 60. But when you got it from 45, that's the equivalent of like 109 miles an hour. I mean, it's just lightning fast. But what I would imagine might have been the first time you had the goal. You understand what a team yes. means? And have a goal. Set yourself before the season starts. That's what we go. A goal is to get to Taiwan. Does that, did that actually help you the rest of your life? What's my goal? It was, get to college. What's my was, goal? Start was, every game. You know, it whatever was, it is. It was, you know, so at that time, there's four teams in the entire United States that make it to Williamsport. And we were one of the four right here um, in, in Dunedin, Florida. And so right. the, the fact that we did it, uh, it was, it just showed, you know, you, you can do. And, and I was very provincial. Most of my teammates were pretty provincial. Like, I didn't travel very much. Like, I didn't know very much. And so to go from here to there 
was a huge, huge deal. I know, I know. My town actually went to take a walk a little. Yeah. My town actually made it, and that unglued them when they got oh. separated from their parents. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Massapequa got through. But by the way, there's, there's still signs all over Massapequa when you get to the Little League World Series. Well, so when we did, we were two years after Trumbull, Connecticut won the whole thing. Right. That was like a big deal. And anybody that it was on that team, and I've met a couple guys along the way, it's like, like, it's like still something people talk about. Well, um, here in the Little League World Series, as much publicity as it is, that's not what got you recruited. Uh, well, God, you recruited another coach, saw you play, yeah. contacted yeah. the Yale coach, Coach yeah. Stuper, and he said, this guy can hit. Yeah. How did this guy can hit turn into a four-year starter at Yale? Well, I mean, the thing for me was I didn't, I'd never been to New England in my life. I didn't know anything about it. Um, but, you know, I wanted my career to go. But I also understood, you know what, if you could go to a place, and I didn't know colleges were liberal at the time, okay? I had no clue, like, what I was getting into with Yale. Um, but, I, you know, it was a historic institution. I figured, hey, I'm coming from Dunedin. If I can get a degree there, that's going to open doors for me, right? And so it was a combination of being able to do that uh, baseball-wise, but also just feeling like, hey, this is a great ticket to have to do that. And so that was kind of what, what it boiled down to. And uh, But I'll tell you, I show up my first day of school. I talk about it in the book. You know, in Florida, we would wear flip-flops, jean shorts, T-shirts. Well, that's what I showed up on my first day at Yale. I can tell you the kids from Andover Academy were not dressed right. the same way as me. So it was a major culture shock, uh, much different. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, it, it, it honestly, and I wasn't thinking about this at the time, but it, it did help me with get a political philosophy because I was exposed to leftist ideology. I had never been exposed to that. And I, re I reacted the other way. You know, some people say, oh, you know, the kids go, they get indoctrinated. I saw this. I was like, you know what, where I come from, people care. They love the country. You know, they, they trust in the Lord, all this stuff. And I didn't know who was a Republican or Democrat back then. It was just that was the foundation. But do you I parents got... deserve a lot of that credit? I mean, yeah. they must have put that foundation into you. The Kennedys famously would say, what was the headline and make everyone talk about one news story. Was there in your house that sensibility, that Midwest sensibility of... Uh, we're lucky to be in this country. We bleed red, white, and blue, and uh, our, our illustrious history that allowed you to be an 18-year-old and not have that seep in? So I think if you look, I talk about the book, you know, Florida, there's a mix of everything, right? You know, Miami's more Latin America. You've got other places, more Northeast transplants. Here is you do have Midwest. You have some traditional Southern. And so my parents from Western Pennsylvania, Northeast Ohio. And so while you're part of Florida and that has an impact, you know, that really, I think, was kind of just salt of the earth, blue collar, you know, God-fearing values. And I didn't think twice about it. I didn't know it was any different than anybody else. Else. But until I got to college, then I realized. Now, as a parent, you can appreciate this, and this is what I think about. Can you imagine what your parents must have been thinking when, number one, you're in the Little League World Series, that's your kid, and number two is Yale wants you to play in the baseball team, <laughs> and you can get in, and you're going to go. Can you imagine how proud they, they are and were? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Although my mom, I joked at one time, she's like, I'm going to have to tell your grandfather he's going to be disappointed you're not going to Notre Dame because that was like their big thing. So, no, it was good. And it was definitely like a really, um, it was out of the ordinary for someone like me to be going there. I want to sit down and talk about issues. Last thing, I called to Coach Stuper a short time ago. And he said, he talked about, he loves your sense of humor. And he said, for example, after his first book, I get a book in the mail and said, Coach, I hope the prose lives up to your slippery rock uh, um, level. 
of uh, education because he got his graduate degree from Slippery Rock. Yeah. And when he went up to you, he said, I was proud to vote for you as a Florida resident. You said, yeah. And those two votes really put me over the top. <laughs> you are a wise ass. <laughs> Try to. So, you know, the coach Stuver is a great guy because uh, we would kid him. He, you know, he played in the big leagues. He won a game in the World Series, a starting pitcher, all this stuff. And then he ends up to coach at Yale. And honestly, I was one of the big reasons why I went there because, you know, I, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, he was a, uh, he had the pro background, all this stuff, and it was good. So, so do that. But, you know, he, there was an article, I think even the New York Times, Times, the pitcher who saw beyond the plate and it talked about him getting the masters from Slippery Rock and writing yeah. and all this stuff. So we had fun with it. He wrote me a letter of recommendation, I think, when I went to, to law, law school. school. Yeah. And um, and I was just like, coach, I was like, I was like, just because, you know, if you're training at Slippery Rock, this thing is going to make all the difference. Right. <laughs> he, he chuckled. You uh, and that's why I think that got you ready for the press. Because that locker room gets you ready for the press, right? Because your teammates, if they like you a lot, they rip you all the time. Do you get that sense yeah, in sometimes? Fact, yeah, it I mean, feels natural when the, you spar. The way you know that people like like you is if they're making fun of you. Uh, in baseball, like if, if you don't like someone, then you just kind of just leave them alone. But when they're ribbing you, that that's really what's So you good. really have concluded the press really likes you because <laughs> they're always ripping you. I'll tell you, though, the press has helped me because they elevate, they fight with me on these things. They sharpen you. And then I end up showing them that, that I'm right on it. And, like, they'll try to do a narrative. And people say, wait a minute, you know, the governor's right. And that pattern's repeated. Itself. We just did a thing about some of these school books. They're trying to say we're banning books. We played on a video the graphic stuff in these books for like nine and ten year olds. Everyone in the audience, like the news stations had to cut the feed because it was so graphic. And so we're saying, okay, you're talking about what we're doing in schools. We're giving parents the ability to make sure everything's appropriate. Not appropriate, pornography with nine year olds. All right. So that was then. It led to now. You're now a two term governor in the middle of a second term. Let's talk about what's next. Let's go. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. So, Governor, the book's number one in the country. Yeah. Must be a good feeling. You're a competitor. Is that the goal? Yeah, I mean, we wanted it to do well. We did a number of events, uh, not only in Florida, but around the country. But people were interested in it. There were a lot of sales organically online, of course, right. and at some of our book events. So, But I think that we've gotten good reviews about they said, you know, this is genuine because I, I did write it. And they're like, it's clear you wrote it and didn't just have some ghostwriter write a bunch of platitudes. I mean, we're talking about, I think, things in a way that, that people view as authentic. So, uh, Governor, you just gave you a state of the state this week, state of state address. Uh, you're going to cut taxes, you're going to cut tolls, you're going to raise teacher salaries, you're going to tackle illegal immigration, fentanyl, uh, the, the, the buying, the purchasing of land from China. You're going to put a stop to all that. Is that what you mean? You haven't seen nothing yet? Give me an idea of what's straight ahead because your legislature is a supermajority and they are fully in support of you. Yeah, I mean, when I became governor, it was a blue wave year. I snuck in. We had a narrow majority in the Senate. Now we had a big landslide, and we've got the biggest majorities we've ever had. So that makes it a lot easier to be able to get a lot of good things done. But if you look at the tax relief, is by far the most we've ever done in Florida history. Uh, if you look at what we're doing in terms of the, the teachers, yes, we're increasing teacher salaries. We're also protecting them against union coercion. So no more automatic deductions for teacher union dues. If someone wants to join, it's their choice. But they've got to write that check every month uh, and give it. And I think you're going to see a lot of them are going to opt against doing that. And that's going to make, I think, uh, protect their freedoms in the classroom. Governor, you want kids to, and parents to have a choice of where they're going to go, yes. public, private. Uh, and 
critics say you're going to ruin the private schools because the kids are going to be going elsewhere using government the public state schools, running, they public say, school. yeah. That, well, that's, well, so we've had school choice in Florida long before I got here. Uh, we've expanded it more than others. And guess what's happened? Those public schools up their game. They've had to, they've had to uh, compete to get the bodies. We have a lot of school choice within our individual school districts now. So if you're in like Miami-Dade, you don't have to go to the school right in your neighborhood. You can go to other Miami-Dade schools there. You can also go private and, and public or in charter and all that. So I think it's done well. Right. We were in the most recent NAEP exo- uh, results, number three and four in the country in fourth grade reading, fourth grade math. Like when I was growing up, we were nowhere close to that. So I think it shows you that Florida empowering parents has worked. And I think what it does is it lifts all boats. You were at the Reagan Library. Yep. And this is the 40-year mark uh, this month of Reagan's speech, evil empire speech. He labeled the Soviet Union the evil empire, all that's wrong in the world, to paraphrase, is from them. Are they still? And is China to belong in that category, too? Would Governor Ron DeSantis say that? I would say that China is our most significant military, strategic, and economic threat. Uh, if you look compared to what Reagan dealt with the Soviet Union, we were closer to nuclear war then because if you had one misstep, uh, both sides were hardwired and we had the mutually assured destruction, which we had to rely on to, to keep that. China, but the Soviet Union, they didn't have a lot of, uh, of influence over our society. They had a relatively weak economy. China... You know, we're very much, we become economically dependent on them. They, they wield a lot of power over our financial. You found that out in the pandemic. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every single thing we get in the pandemic came from China. Critical infrastructure, critical materials all coming from China. So I think China has more power that they were wielding. Now, we're working. That's why we're saying no more, no land buys in Florida from CCP-linked businesses, because I think the, the policy needs to be, you know, decouple us from China, uh, because right now, I think we're, we're just too dependent on them, and it hurts our national security. So would that be your priority? Should you ever run for president, become president? Yeah, I think, I think we need to recapture supply chains. All the supply chains have ended up tangled up in China. Then you're at the whim of President Xi. And, you know, Xi is, he is ruthless about how he wields power. He's more of a Marxist-Leninist than probably his couple of immediate predecessors. He wants to impose his imprint on society. The CCP has to be in charge. That's his view. And so I think he's willing to subordinate the economy uh, to those goals. Do you think Washington realizes that? Do you think President Biden realizes that? Do you think the, uh, your two Republican senators realize that? I think our two senators do. I don't think Biden does. Um, I think he's got a lot of history with China that doesn't put him. You think in it's the, figuring into policy? I, I, th- I think so. I mean, I think he just and forget about even some of the the, the, the stuff that's been out, uh, the allegations. He's just had relations there where he bought into this idea 25, 30 years ago that if you give them most favored nation status, put them in the WTO, that they'd end up becoming democratic. That's what they were saying then. And instead, what's happened is China has gotten very rich. They've gotten very powerful. They've gotten a lot of key manufacturing that they now control. And they've gotten more authoritarian. And I think they've gotten more belligerent. And do do you think that is along with Russia and Iran, is that the new axis of evil as we see this playing out overseas? So I think that, um, you know, Russia's hostilities to us remain. Iran, they're a mortal enemy of ours. I mean, I think that tr- Donald Trump did a good job of, of getting out of that deal and putting some economic right. pain on Biden would want to go back to the Obama deal. But he realizes because Iran's working with Russia um, on the situation in Europe, that, that it's going to be hard for him to do it. But I think an Iranian bomb is a big problem. Our Western hemisphere, though. 
we have more leftist governments in the Western Hemisphere today right. than we did at the height of the Cold War. So we just had the Cuban ambassador trying to meet people in Florida. Uh, you still have a, a communist regime in Cuba, Venezuela, you Nicaragua. Just got Brazil just flipped socialist, and Bo- we seem to be happy about it. Colombia flipped. Brazil flipped. And, you know, we've got a lot of Brazilian Americans, Colombian Americans in Florida who were voting in that election. And um, it was a huge, huge letdown. And, and those countries are going to really go down. So the, the, the reason why that's important is this is our backyard. Uh, they will invite countries like China to right. exercise influence in our hemisphere. And I, I think we need a 21st century Monroe doctrine to say, wait a minute, this is our hemisphere. Uh, we want it to be a hemisphere dedicated to freedom. We'll be a good neighbor to everybody, but we're not just going to sit there while you bring in some malevolent forces. The border, you know, is out of control. You know that firsthand. You took action with uh, what, what happened with um, uh, being able to take those illegal immigrants, at front, whether it's Jacksonville or at the border. We just had four Americans uh, killed, kidnapped and killed. Two Americans, uh, four Americans kidnapped, two killed in Mexico. So Senator Lindsey Graham is somebody who said, you know, we have to think about military action there. Do you think we have to think about military action? So what I would do, I mean, one, you know, you do need a border wall because what happens is, is um, anyone that doesn't want to fully enforce the policy like Biden, people are going to be able to come in and we just can't have that. So I think you need to do that. And I think you need to designate the cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. Right away. I mean, think about what they've been able to do. Where were our overdoses 10 years ago to now? They've gone up dramatically all because of the fentanyl that they've moved into our country and Think about it. Tens of thousands of people. What are you supposed to do? Just sit there and let that happen? Right. Lastly, uh, when you talk about you running for president, Tom Cotton came out and said, my kids are too young. I'm going to wait. Would that factor into your decision, your kids being young uh, and bringing them into that environment and where if they come to play a little league, they'll have secret service with them probably the rest of their life? Well, it's something we think about already as governor because really their whole uh, six, four, and two go back. We were governor for four years, so this is what they know. We're in a bubble. Now, granted, the president's a little bit, is much different, but that's what they've kind of lived in. And we do worry about, okay, are you going to have the right uh, foundation and perspective on life? So we try to keep them grounded on it. But I will tell you, going through politics like we've done, they're too young to really know what's going on. And so we think that that has actually been better. I mean, if they were... 13, 15, and 17 when we were going through some of this stuff, you know, that they, the kids then soak it in a lot more, right. a lot of the negative. So, so I think they have not been, been affected in terms of the stuff that swirls out there because you're always getting smeared because of how young they've been. And so it's, in some respects, the younger they are, the easier it is to do. As they get a little bit older, I think it may become more so difficult. So it wouldn't stop you. You thought about it, yeah. and that would be something you do. Uh, you have no problem going back at Gavin Newsom. Uh, he loves sparring with you. But when it comes to President Trump, it doesn't it doesn't seem to feel right with you yet. To well, go the back thing and- is, is like, OK, my view is, is I'm here to do my job and I'm here to fight the left. And so I fight Biden a lot. And then some of these governors, although I don't deal with Newsom nearly as much, he deals with me. He's obsessed with dealing with Florida. It's like his number one thing. And the thing is, is I was out there and I'm just thinking to myself, you know, they've got a lot of problems. I mean, we all have problems we got to deal with, but they they have power problems. You know, they were dealing with a natural disaster. You had protesters, Governor. What was that like? Honestly, I was disappointed that there weren't more. I'm like, come on, this is California. You can't produce more protesters than this. But I think, though... The, the thing with, with California and New York, some of those, is we've had a great experiment over the last four years. Americans have voted with their feet, and the results have been overwhelming. 
they are leaving California, New York, Illinois. They're coming to Florida, Texas, T Tennessee, these other states. And you kind of get it. I mean, like, you know, in New York, there's a rhythm of life where, okay, maybe you retire, then you go to Boca Raton, or you're in Minnesota, escape the winters as you get older, go to Naples, fine. Right. But nobody left California for our entire history until the last four years. You tried to get to California. It's, it's the state has more natural advantages than any other state in the country, beautiful weather. And yet people are beelining. I just did a book signing in Brandon, Florida, and I had 10 of the people move from California. That when I was growing up here, you never saw a California license plate. Why would anyone want to leave California? That's right. where like the dream for the middle class. But it's been the leftist policies that have caused this. That is why people are leaving. And Governor, I know you're going to wait for the legislature to get done before you make a final decision. There's a lot of people that want you to jump in. Uh, I don't really know too many people who aren't expecting you to jump in. But are you worried of being defined before you do it? Because you watch President Trump come out and try to label you as a Paul Ryan, Jeb Bush type of Republican. Uh, and are you worried about being defined because you're governor and you're not a candidate yet? So when you have a record of achievement, uh, people can call you a name, but that's not going to trump the achievement. And so you know, we built an astounding record of achievement. The best is yet to come. We're going to do a lot more over the next few months. And that's what people look to. Now, if I was just like, you know, some random, maybe like a senator that didn't have accomplishments, then maybe you, you know, someone could try to define you. But I'm defined by my accomplishments. I'm defined by leading this state. And I'm defined by having a state, which is the number one destination for Americans who are looking for a better way of life. And so I think what you'll see over the next few months is by doing uh, that is the best thing I can possibly do, not only for this state, but for people looking at me and sizing me up. Hey, just look at the results. Hey, Casey, okay? How's she feeling? She's fantastic. So we recognize her at the State of the State last year. State of the State, I said, we hope to be able to announce next year she's cancer-free. We can announce that she's cancer-free, and she's looking better than ever, and she's involved in a whole bunch of stuff. She just started this great cancer initiative where we're going to try to really be more effective at how we're doing that. And so, and she's obviously a great wife and a great mother, so we're, uh, we're really fortunate. We had so many people praying for us during those first months in, in October of 2021, November, and it wasn't easy uh, to go through. And, you know, for me, like, you know, I'm not going through it, but just to see someone that you love going through that, was was difficult to see because you don't want to see anyone like that. But she's gotten through it and done a remarkable job. Right. And she would be on board for whatever decision you make. She's been the, the best supporting, um, the best spouse you could have. She supports me 100 percent. And like, look, she's a very patriotic American. I mean, you know, she, this whole governor thing, it's not I mean, it's there's been inconveniences to it. It wasn't like that. She but but she's like, you know what? We need, we need a guy like you to kind of do this. So she has a very can-do attitude, I think. And I think one of her things, I just noticed you would also talking about ja uh, Djokovic. Novak Djokovic, yeah. if you come out, he wants to come here. We will uh, bring He him. wants to play. Florida says okay. But the federal government says since he's not vaccinated, even though the pandemic's over, he can't play. And even though he's had COVID already, he's got natural, natural immunity. immunity. So we're willing to boat him in. His team, I think, is like, look, we don't. If the, if the U.S. government's going to oppose this, I think they're a little weary about that. So I wrote Biden a letter. I said, come on, green light this. Let's go. Let's get real here. But we think he may be able to come on boat. So we're kind of working with what the do you feds. Mean? The, just the way they wrote the order, it may be that there's kind of a little loophole so we could bring him in from the Bahamas. So we're working on doing that. Here's the thing. I would do it anyway. You would put him on a boat if, in the Bahamas. If he's here. willing to get on a boat, we'll get him to Florida to be able to participate in the Miami Open. And uh, lastly, I know you've had your spouts with uh, Anthony Fauci, the revelation that he ge helped generate a memo that said that this virus came from a natural occurrence and not from a lab. 
Does that reinforce some of your doubts about some of his decisions? So why would he do that? He didn't have the evidence to do that. I think they did it because they did not want the Wuhan lab to be subject to scrutiny because they were involved in sending money to the Wuhan lab uh, through these different organizations. And they should not have been doing gain-of-function research. Uh, I think that he thought he could do whatever he wanted to because he was this big fish in the medical community. Uh, and I think he served us very, very poorly with that. But here's the thing. Where is the accountability? Nobody has been held accountable. China's not been held accountable. NIH, CDC, they have been held accountable. In fact, the omnibus bill flushed them with massive amounts of cash after they've done so poorly. So I'd like to see some accountability. You know, we're working on that in Florida, but it's very, very important because the way that was handled was a total disgrace, not just the lab leak, but so many other things over the last three years. Well, we're on a baseball field. You've had a busy day, but you wanted to come to this field because it means uh, so much to you, obviously. Even though I'm a soccer player, do you have time for a catch? Let's do it. I'll All do right. it. Yep. Right, Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. So did you have major league aspirations? <laughs> oh, everybody did. I mean, you know, it's... Uh... But you start college, you're thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, at the same time, it's like I was always very realistic. I mean, you can be great. That's the top 0.1%, and it's very difficult to get to the big leagues. I was also someone like, you know, I, I could hit. If you want to throw me a fastball, I don't care if it's 95, I'll hit it. You're able to throw like a real hard slider or chain, it becomes a little more difficult. Right. I mean, you know, that's just the nature of it. Well, it's getting heating up. Um, so the coach said that he put you on the outside. He, you could have played center, but he thought your arm would fit better on the outside. Yeah, on the yeah, 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 yeah. No, he, uh, it was good. I mean, uh, we had a good, 500 at bats, 313 average. Good four years. four years. Yeah, I mean it's um, you know we basically if you figure you get like 45 games a, a season, uh, and at a four, and I missed some from injury. So it's basically the four years college equivalent of like one major league season. You know the 162 games. Right. And um, I think I had over 100 RBIs for the career. I think I had like 10, 12 home runs and stole probably 30, 40 bases. So you're a, a goal-oriented guy. If not this time to run for president, would you think at some time it's safe to say that that would be one of your goals? I would, I would, only, I would only do stuff if I thought there was a rationale for me to accomplish things on behalf of the people. It's not about me attaining a status. I mean, you know, being governor, it's great and stuff because you can do a lot. You get a lot of Oops, fanfare sorry. sometimes. <laughs> but that doesn't – I don't care about the fanfare. Um, I just care about the results. So it's all substance-driven about whether I could serve or not serve in a variety of capacities. Uh -huh. But I'll tell you, you know, the, as governor and if you're a determined executive, you know, you can make things happen. And we've done that in Florida. Um, but we've always got a strategy for what we're doing. And we're always working hard to advance the ball. Understood. Man, I feel feel like I can maybe play a little bit. It's, but you know what? I'm, These I'm throws are getting up. a little faster. Yeah. I told I'm, you I'm a soccer player, right? I'm limbering up, man. <laughs> My son is four. He's now really into baseball. 
uh, all sports, but so, but he does not like to do the T-ball. He's like, Daddy, you got to pitch it to me, and he wants to pitch balls. So. Wow, he's too good for T-ball. Yes, yes. And you're like, okay, well, he hit a T-ball at the house when I was there. Oh yeah, and but, your daughter could hit too. And then my, I got a, I got a young one that's going about to turn three, and she is really good. So right. she's gonna start. She's gonna have her first T-ball season coming up in a in a little bit. All right. So now, do you gonna go? Are you going to? If you were ever in the White House, famously, George W. Bush loved baseball. He had the T-ball game. He had a T-ball league at the White House. Would that be something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I think promoting uh, sports is something. We've tried to do that here in Florida a lot um, because we've got so many sports. We've had, since I've been governor, we've hosted two Super Bowls. Uh, we've, uh, we, of course, we've had um, NFL teams in the playoffs and then uh, – Golf, we're in the golf season right now, so we just um, we have the TPC. You were yeah. just in Ponte Vedra, so that's our big event that. in Northeast Florida. All right, Governor. All right. I guess, well, how many more events do you have today? I think I only have one more, so we're going to do a book signing in, uh, I think, Pinellas Park and uh, then head on back to Tallahassee. It's going to be an exciting two months. Yeah, yeah. Hey, when, thanks a lot. And thanks we, for coming to Florida. When can we expect the big announcement? <laughs> Depends how good we do in this legislative session. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Thanks, Governor. Thanks. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.